Hello, I'm Scott Kurtz, and this is Surviving Creativity. Today, I'm talking to Jens Stive, a cartoonist whose work I would never have known about if not for the internet. Jens lives in Tromsø, Norway, the third largest urban area north of the Arctic Circle. Jens has been producing the affectionate and hilarious comic strip Dunce in Norway since 2017, where it appears in books, magazines, and newspapers. Luckily for me, Tromsø not only has the best view of the northern lights on Earth, but pretty reliable internet. And Jens was kind enough to translate some of his comics into English and share it on Instagram, which is how I found him. Here's my interview with Norwegian cartoonist Jens Dive. It's evening for you in Norway, right? Yeah, it is. You're drinking. You're drinking wine. Uh, this is coffee, actually. Oh, is it yeah, coffee? Yeah. Okay, I, I, I I'm I drinking sh- coffee too. I could need some wine, maybe a little bit nervous. So, um, yeah. So, Jens, I, 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 I'm so excited that you agreed to do the podcast with me because I discovered your strip recently hey. and just fell completely head over heels with it and your style and uh, pretty much every creative decision that you've made. <laughs> Thanks. And as someone who grew up with um, European family, hmm. uh, my family are all European immigrants. My mother's family is uh, from Italy. Yeah. And my father and his family is from Germany. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a strong knowledge of how different the world of comics are in Europe. Yeah. And overseas than they are in America. Hmm. I grew up with Asterix and and Peo and yeah. um the little bumblebees. Can't think of their names right now. Oh, I don't know. Bumblebees. Um Peo but, is uh, Smurfs, isn't it? Yes, yeah. correct. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm there's a, a bunch of things I'm curious about when it comes to your career and specifically about being a cartoonist in another country hmm. and how different that is from being a cartoonist in America. Have we started or yeah, we oh, okay. started. <laughs> okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be uh, hmm. casual. Hmm. So, uh, something I didn't know about you until I did some research, you've only been a full-time cartoonist for four years. Um, yeah, actually, only for uh, half a year because I was freelancing a lot for these years. But um, it's, yeah, four years since I quit my day job and started freelancing. Yeah. Hmm. So, and before that, you you were co-partner in a design firm? Yeah, that's right. You certainly have been cartooning way before that, though. Sure, yeah. I had this, um, in the whole uh, 90s, I was really very active with my comics. Okay. And um, uh, suddenly, around 2000, I just stopped. And then what I, made you stop? Well, uh, I, it's a long story, I guess. Oh, I don't know how much. Uh, well, if you don't feel comfortable telling me, you don't have to. No, it's more that um, uh, it's after doing it and like uh, going for it for ten years, and then yeah. uh, my um, 
my uh, I had this. Uh, I was at the time I was very inspired by um, Peter Bag's Hate. Right. So I wanted to do a like a soap opera like he did, uh, just a underground soap opera with uh, uh, maybe two or three, four issues every year. And then on the third issue, it just sold sold worse than the two before, and even and also got worse reviews. So I felt like it was going the wrong way. So and also um, living on noodles was okay for a while, and then yeah, you were hoping that it would pay a little bit more instead of going downhill. So. Yeah. So then uh, I ended up uh, focusing on the graphic design and, and I moved my uh, creative writing to to novels. So I wrote two novels at the time in the two, oh, okay. 2000s. Yeah. So I thought I had uh, stopped doing comics. I thought I had done my last comic at that time. And then in 20... So what brought you back to it? That was in 2014. I, I had some time off from my design job and uh, I was starting my next novel and uh, I had uh, actually my plan was to not have any plan I just planned to sit down and write and then what happened was I just sat down and started drawing and started drawing all um, speech bubbles and panels again so which I hadn't done done for 14 years and that was suddenly that was really fun and um, uh, yeah, I sort of got obsessed again. I just realized—I uh, guess I realized—I was still a comic artist. I was a bit scared of doing the old tricks, just repeating what I did 15 years before. So I was quite focused on doing everything different in the 2014. And then uh, I ended—you were a different person though, too. Yeah, and it was quite important to uh, to uh, not be like the flogging the dead horse, like doing the yeah. old tricks that uh, you you knew. You knew him from the 90s. Here he is again doing the same things. Yeah, you didn't want it then. You're not going to want it now. <laughs> no. And then that's why I, uh, actually why I started doing comic strips because that was something I had never done. Because I used to, uh, I used to say that I was like telling jokes and I want to tell stories. Yeah, and then that's true. Yeah, but still, I I had some favorites that followed me the whole life. You know, Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes, and some others. And um, so I knew there was it was possible to do good stuff in strip format. And there were also some Norwegian strip artists that was really good. That is really good. Yeah. So I saw that. Yeah, this is a format that it's it's a good challenge to try to make something good in there. And and so you say that so you that's when you started developing dunce. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually how I used to draw myself from the nineties. Just a big uh, pointy hat, dunce. Cap. Yeah, yeah. So it was just um, it was quite obvious to to make a strip with this character. Just I didn't think of it in the nineties, so it came uh, later. You so the strip is you say the strip on your website, you say it's semi autobiographical. Yeah, it is. Uh, he's called Jens, like me, the main character. Uh, he has a dog that's called Rego, which I have. And, uh, this uh, 
comic has only one child. I have three, so there are yeah, there are some differences. And uh, yeah, I just mix up reality with a lot of fiction. It, but also, and something I wanted to bring up specifically, is one of the characters that's never listed in the Dunst comics is Norway. Yeah, in my that's opinion, true, yeah. It um, you you live in a very unique and beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, and that's easy for us to oversee here. But that, but you you bring it into the comic, um, pretty effortlessly, and it's 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 a it's a it's a big presence of the strip. Um. I love the cover of the one dunce book where everyone's in all of their cold weather gear and Brago has the, the eye patch and the, and the, and the barrels on, on each side, like, yeah, like yeah. they're ready to brave the, the Arctic circle. Yeah. Almost, you know, post apocalyptic. Yeah. Yeah. Even, uh, in, um, even in Norway, we live in, uh, the far North of Norway. Yeah. Which is even more harsh. So it's a two-hour flight from Oslo, actually. Yeah, and the, you live in um, Tromsø. Hmm. Yeah, so, it's a little port. It's it's a port town, right? Yeah, it used to be the last uh, stop before the expeditions to the North Pole. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. How? Well, so, what's the population of people there? Uh, I think fifty thousand, maybe. So, does it feel like a tight-knit community there? Or is it? Does it still feel like a big city? No, it's a tiny city, but it's tiny. Yeah, but it's still. Um, there is a university here, and uh, quite big hospitals. So there's a lot of, yeah, mm, yeah, cultural life here. Activities, concerts, and stuff. So, so um, yeah, it's how, not how. A, how important to you was it to make Dunce set? in Norway. Um yeah, since it's autobiographic that was quite important. But uh, <laughs> uh I am I have actually yeah, I if you um choose to stay here in Tromsø, I was just planning to be here for one year. And I learned that the people who stay here have been here for 20 years now. They, that's the people who enjoy the outdoors and use it. Yeah. So I guess that's, uh, yeah, that's a big part of what we do here. That is being outdoors. And, yeah, uh, yeah. There, are, there are just one comic artist in uh, Tromsø. Yeah. So there's You're no, it, huh? yeah, there's there's no community for that either. So yeah. So you just, uh, yeah. So I, I've, I've always felt that being a cartoonist, even in cities where there might be more than one, is somewhat of a lonely profession. Yeah. You spend a lot of time at home in front of your drawing board or or computer. Yeah. And it's only when you get to the conventions and stuff that you actually start commiserating with people who do what you do. Yeah. That's and understand it. Yeah. Uh I used to be more, much more um, active and social when I was in Oslo, lived in Oslo for a while because there are yeah. the most of the comic Norwegian comic artists are there. So, but now, yeah, after a year of pandemic, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the conventions. Psst. Hey, over here. Want to take a small break and tell you guys about Loopback. 
What's Loopback? Well, I'll tell you. It's a powerful virtual mixer for the Mac OS, and it's brought to us by Rogue Amoeba. Now, the exciting thing about podcasts is that you only need your phone to make one. But look, eventually, you might want to do something a little more complex and polished, and you didn't attend a university to get a degree in audio engineering. Don't worry about it. Rogue Amoeba's got you covered. That's where Loopback comes in. See, with Loopback, you can route audio virtually from any source on your Mac and share it with other apps. So let's say you're having a Zoom meeting and you want to play some audio for the group. No problem. Or let's say you're hosting a podcast and you want your guests to hear clips and jingles and stingers. Well, with Loopback's easy-to-use drag-and-drop interface, uh, it's a snap. Thought I was going to have to spend hundreds of dollars on mixers and and research on Google how to do all this stuff uh, with hardware? No need. I just need to install Loopback. It's all done virtually. Rogue Amoeba was kind enough to sponsor this episode by not only gifting us a copy of Loopback, but their entire suite of podcasting apps, and I've used some of them before. Audio Hijack from Rogue Amoeba is a great way to record any audio off your computer. Farago is this awesome virtual soundboard. And if you don't want to drop money on Adobe Audition or Logic Pro, maybe you're sick of GarageBand, you got to check out Fission. That's their down and dirty, lossless audio editor. I mean, their entire suite is literally all you need to make an, an advanced sounding podcast. You can find Loopback, as well as Rogue Amoeba's other award-winning audio software at macaudio.com. Again, that's macaudio.com. Check it out, and thanks to Rogue Amoeba for their support of the show. I've always been curious as to the difference in attitudes towards comics in Europe and Japan as opposed to America. You know, in Europe, comics are considered, well, at least in Belgium, they're considered like the ninth art. Yeah, in France. Right. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm curious, how are, how are comics and cartoon strips viewed in Norway by the general public? Um, yeah, it depends if you ask uh, comic creators or uh, readers. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for the readers, um that's like that's the comic um format that m most everyone read the strips in the newspapers but for the comic artists i think there's a lot of prejudice like the one i had where this is more like telling jokes and it's not proper okay comics is not storytelling it's not right yeah and then um, when i Grew up, with, uh, I, I was reading, of course, the French and Belgian Asterix, Lucky Luke, and the, that stuff. I didn't read much American comics in the 80s, actually. And um, when I was exposed to the superhero comics, I, it never appealed to me. So that right. is something that I really don't know anything about. It never, I never came, like, never got hooked on any superhero comics or... Sure. So I'm an example of a human who is, has never been <laughs> exposed to superheroes. Huh. Uh, but I did read um, 
Will Eisner in the 80s. Right. Um, I think that was one of the few that I read, except um, Peanuts. Yeah. And maybe some other, other strips also. How did your family and friends take the news that you were going to quit your job at the design firm and become a freelance cartoonist? Uh, it was, um, I think that was a bit um, unpopular, mm -hmm. actually, yeah. But I, um, um, yeah, I just had to try it and uh it's i was in the design agency for 12 years so i wasn't exactly what i that was enough it was time to do something else and uh yeah i, I had this um autobiographic uh one page stories that i did uh that was very easy to turn into strips and then there was a competition in a norwegian newspaper one of the biggest Norwegian newspapers, and, and then I just took my one-page stories, uh, edited them, edit them into strips, and I, I won this competition. And then the, the, the prize was to be uh, published daily for, okay. for uh, four months. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so then I just had to start uh, machinery and do this. Uh, and that was, of course, fun. To, to be able to to do it on a daily basis in a big newspaper, and uh, the four months grew. So that was in I started in January 2017, and the done strip is still in in that newspaper, and now it's also in 15 others 15 other newspapers. Oh, oh all up in Norway. In Norway, yeah. Wow, hmm. wow. So there are daily strips, uh, yeah, in all different parts of Norway. Uh, so do you guys do you get american comic strips up there as well or yeah sure uh mm -hmm. newspapers have um this normally a full page of strips uh and it used to be only american strips but now it's been more and more it has become more and more norwegian strips so there are actually uh quite a lot of active strip artists in Norway right now. Wow. Hmm. So how does that feel? Like you made it, you made it to the comics page. Yeah. That's something I never accomplished. <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a, for me growing up, that was the goal yeah. was to get onto the comic book page, doing a comic strip on the internet didn't exist when I was growing up. And then for a long time in my career, it felt like a compromise Yeah, and not a goal. Hmm. So, so yeah, it, it's it's uh, feels good, of course, but it's a bit feels like I came very late. I should do it in in the nineties because uh, yeah, you hear the newspapers are dying right. and they are very yeah. scared all the time. And but yeah, they, yeah, I have been in there for uh, since uh, twenty seventeen, and I uh, I keep getting some new newspapers every year, so they are still alive and the and the, the concept here is that i have a um, one main newspaper and they pay yeah they pay well they pay decent for the daily and they get yeah. it first they get the new strips okay. i can i can send it in uh before lunch the day before and then it's oh wow okay next day i you shouldn't do that but sometimes 
I'm on the <laughs> sometimes it happens. Scratch, yeah. Um, and then do and they, then the so other all not... the other newspapers there. I have a, um, an agent who does the distribution okay. to them, so he takes a cut and makes sure that all the newspapers get this all the storylines in the correct order. And so but I that never is... know. If I go, that's if very I open, different uh, than America. Yeah, probably. In America, you have to go through a syndicate. Yeah. To be in newspapers, you have to go through a very big company. Yeah, but I, I guess this agent is sort of a syndicate, just in this yeah. Norwegian scale. So I see. Yeah, but I don't know. So is Dunce? You still own Dunce? It's a creator-owned. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. You see, in the states, well, at least it used to be you would have to share the rights with the people distributing your comic to the newspapers. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that wouldn't happen in Norway. No, it's always yeah. the creator has the rights to everything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. It has, has not always been the, that way here in the States. No. There's always a gatekeeper that wants part ownership at least. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. To see that's, that's interesting to me is that that's what fascinates me is the cultural differences. Yeah. And so when I read Dunce, it's in English. Obviously in Norway, you're, 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 you're not publishing in English. No, it's actually, I don't have any publisher in, in, in English in the US or in England. So, so that's just something I do online on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And I also done some Kickstarters and I have a patron who read, read it in English. So. And I, have you printed a book in English yet? Yeah, some um, scenes, just like okay, thirty page, yeah, scenes that I've uh, kickstarted. And um, but uh, yeah, the, my plan was actually to to make the scenes as I drew, made the comic. So, but I then I started making so much of it, I couldn't keep up with the publishing. <laughs> so right. Even though I I like self publishing, it's uh, it takes a lot of time and. When you do six trips weekly plus uh, freelance work, then it's really hard mm -hmm. to get the time for it. Yeah. So it's been uh, maybe a year now since the last uh, Kickstarter I did. And I actually, at this time, I feel more uh, like I'm looking for a publisher. I, I got this publisher in France who made this first French, French um, dance collection. And I was very comfortable to just. Have them the do everything and yeah. Sure. You have to at some point. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, there's only so much of your time. Yeah. And I, I don't have, have any available. storage space either for the books and the, no. Yeah, it can be oh, painful. Correct. Mm. God, I can't imagine getting how you would even get pallets of books to nor to, to where you are. Yeah. And sending the them the expense of that would be crazy. Yeah, also uh, uh the shipping them to the US, for instance, would be more than the book is worth. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what would you'd have to do is either have a, a U.S. publisher. We do this as well. We do drop shipping. Hmm. So when we print our books, if any of them are going to be sold overseas, we have distributors in those places, and we only pay once to have it shipped. A portion shipped from the printer to that yeah. uh, company, hmm. and then they do the shipping for us. To Europe and England. Okay. Um, Sounds like a lot of work. I don't deal with that. No. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Yeah. 
I have someone else that does all that for yeah, me. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you have to. At some point, you have to. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, that becomes your whole day is dealing with those logistics. Yeah. Or or you rope in someone else like a spouse or a friend that helps you with it. No, my my you know. my wife would never do any of yeah. that. <laughs> I could. You have three kids. You I can put pay them. To them work. But yeah, I can pay them to do it. Yeah. Actually, my my youngest son he gets. Uh, around ten dollars if he comes up with an idea that i can use oh really yeah. he has a lot of good ideas <laughs> so so he, is there a real uh gunter or no gustav um oh gustav yeah, yeah. It's sort of well it's not i don't think he feels that it's uh, him but uh, he was nine when i started this trip so i think nine years is a very fun age uh so this uh Gustav character is nine years. Yeah. My son is 15 now. And the, the two others are even older. So I think they they don't feel that they are in the strip. I think it's mostly Brego that is exactly as he is in reality. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah, doesn't let's mind. Talk a, let's talk about Brego. What breed of dog is Brego? He's a, a Brittany Spaniel. The okay. Bird hunter. Hmm. Yeah. So, and Brago is the name of Aragorn's horse in yeah, that's the right. Lord of the Rings movies. Right. It's not something. Yeah. Not it many. means king. Yeah, it's something from the lore, I think. Yeah. What made you choose that name for him? Uh, we have, uh, in our family, we have three horse enthusiasts. Oh. Who go ride, horse riding. So, uh, they decided, well, we are all Lord of the Rings fans. I'm not uh, one of the horse uh, enthusiasts. Enthusiasts? They no, you don't to, like getting on horses? Uh, no, I, I keep a distance to them. <laughs> 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 they are, yeah, dangerous. Well, Brago got a kingly name. That's very nice. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I was dumb enough to name my dog Charlie Brown. No, so. that's, that's great. I, I actually decided that uh, when uh, Brago dies, I will also make him die in the comic. But uh, when I mentioned that to my editor, she said, no, 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 no way. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but it's, um, it is a good thing that uh, Snoopy didn't die in the 60s, oh. early 60s. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's a good idea, anyway, to keep him. So when it comes to cartooning, who are your big influences then? Uh, yeah, it has to be Calvin Hobbes and Hobbs and Peanuts. But I was yeah. also, when I, when I started, like, I felt like a student of strips when I came back to comics in the 2014. So I'm reading Peanuts from the start. Yeah. And uh, um, I bought the collections of Pogo and Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, Hobson. man. But then I found Cul-de-Sac by Richard Thompson that I hadn't read. And that was really, yeah. wow, that was amazing. An eye-opener. And uh, I think that's underestimated that's it's really it's a beautiful comic with uh Calvin and Hobbes it's tragic I think that it would have I think that had it come out a little bit sooner hmm. and had Richard been given a little bit more time on this earth yeah I think it really would have pulled forward yeah that's it's so beautifully drawn and it's amazing writing all all the yeah. way through yeah, yeah. I um <clears throat> One of the reasons I wanted to interview you is because discovering Dunce um, has really inspired me to start a new project. Wow. 
um, um, one of the things that I've wanted to do was find a way to take all the things that I'm experiencing and feeling about my father right now yeah, and where he's at and his transition into being older and, and, uh, do something semi-autobiographical about that relationship, about an adult man, uh, coming to terms with his father, um, diminishing, which sounds very, very depressing for a comic strip. No, I think it sounds great. Hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I'm, I've always been enamored with the aesthetic of comic strips and the, um, economy of line and the design choices and, um, just the love of the ink, hmm. the, the way that the, the ink is put down. Um, and the, and the, the, the fluidness of the characters and the motion yeah. and your, you know, dunce really just grabbed me because, and I, and I know that you're working digitally now on an iPad, yeah. but it just really grabbed me as when I was looking at it, I could feel a crow quill across Bristol. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it made me want to. <clears throat> it made me want to do something in that medium again, or at least yeah. to get that aesthetic across. Do you think you will do it on paper, or? You know, I've considered it, but my fear is that I'm so rusty mm -hmm. that it would it would take a little bit of work to get back to where I could. Yep. I could have a a satisfying workflow back on paper again. And I'm worried that if I tried it, it would derail the project. Hmm. I was, you know? uh, I was quite convinced that I would do all my strips on paper because yeah, I'm so fond of the organic quality and I was just, uh, I didn't want to try the iPads and the Wacoms and the stuff that people showed me. Um, but then when I got the uh, iPad, after all, it's uh, there was a guy who made brushes, and he offered to make a brush pack based on my ink style. So no actually, kidding. yeah, he just offered to make, uh, and he could sell it, and then I could use it. And so I got to be uh, testing it while he made it, and it turned out really good. So then it was quite easy to mimic the ink style that I had because it was made from my lines. My wow, my ink. Who did that? <laughs> Who did that for you? It's a guy called um, George. Uh, yeah, George, George's brushes, just George. Yeah, so okay. you can just you can google the uh, Dunn's brushes and buy them quite cheap. And they're are really they good. procreate? Are yeah, you doing it in procreate, procreate? Yeah, so then actually, now when I look back, I can't even uh, myself, I can't say which strip I switched to digital because it's so yeah. close to mine. Wow! And so that was a really that was a gift at that time. So uh, yeah. it does improve your ability to make it quicker, don't you think? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's so effective. And that's what my mentors uh, said: that anything that will uh, cut time, anything that will save you time, do it. So, right, do it. Yeah, that was the advice, and uh, I think that's a great advice when you're getting into the daily strip business. But 
but does it pain you to not have the finished piece of Bristol afterwards? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. There's something about that, right? Oh, I have maybe 200 original strips, and the rest is done on my iPad. Do you ever sell those uh, pieces of original art, or are you precious about them? Yeah, I've, I had some exhibitions uh, locally where I've sold some originals, but I try to uh, make the price so high that nobody buys them, <laughs> so I can keep them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It hurts to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. Um well that's a shame because I want to buy one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me know if they're yeah. ever on special. sale. You will get a special price. Uh <clears throat> tell me about the character of the fish. I'm fascinated. Yeah, that's what's his name, by the way? Burger. Burger. Burger? Yeah. Almost like burger. It's okay. uh, one of the Norwegian comic artists, uh, strip artists that are really good. There are especially oh. two who are super successful and uh, really talented. And uh, both of them have been, I've been nagging them, but they've been sort of mentors for me. And then yeah. I, when I, this fish character uh, needed a name, I told Berge, uh, my the mentor, Berge, he will be named yeah. after you. <laughs> I don't know if was if he was proud or a bit uh, shocked to hear it, but uh, it's uh, it's his name. Yeah, both of them are. I don't see them translated much. There's one called uh, Lunch, one called Pondus. These two strips. Okay. Hmm. You You'll have to send them. me a link. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I've, it's hard to find them in English, but I will. Uh, maybe I can find a couple of strips. Hmm. That's and fine. And these uh, these two guys, they have uh, their monthly magazines in Norway. Uh huh. So there's a Pondus magazine and a Lunch magazine. There are also uh, Radio Gaga is another strip and uh, Nemi is another strip. So there are four monthly magazines. And wow. these are anthologies. So And they are in all the gross, grocery stores. Yeah. So, See, they don't do that here in the States. No, so they that's, need to start a very, doing that. that's a good thing from the Norwegian comic yeah. economy. They do uh, it in Japan too. So in Japan, they don't have... <coughs> In the States, the way that the comics come out is every month people put out 22-page, yeah. you know, like comic books. Mm. But in Japan, all the issues are collected into a big, uh, like, Shonen Jump or something. Yeah, yeah. So you buy one book and you get all the issues mm. for that month. Yeah. And I wish they would do that here. Yeah. But since I make uh, 24, well, I make six trips every week. So that's around 24 in a month. And right. I have 12 new strips in the Lunch magazine and 12 in the Radio Gaga magazine. So nice. I have like eight pages every month in the, these anthologies. So that's part of the puzzle that makes it, that makes a living. Yeah, hmm. that's important. That's great. Hmm. That's important. I'm jealous. We don't have that no, kind of should, stuff here. No, you should have that. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Maybe we'll we should make one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be nice to try to make one. Yeah, sure. Um, that would be nice. If I do, uh, I'm going to grab Dunce to be in it. You're going to have to give me some English translation. Yeah, great. I'm ready for it. Yeah? You're yeah. ready for it? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it would be fun. But it's a lot of work, of course, and the distribution is also always the problem. Yeah. Yeah, but the story about the fish, I, I should maybe finish why he's a fish, because that is sort of a mystery in Dunce. That, uh, yeah, why is His he best a friend fish? is a fish. I, it, I I thought I had no answer to it, but I, 
when I was thinking back, I think it was when I moved to um, Tromsø and to the far north. And uh, I, I was sending, I was publishing comics at that time also in anthology in Oslo. So when I made stories from up here, I drew myself with this fish friend because just to show my friends in Oslo that I, I had got a friend up here in the north because this, it, it's a fish. Yeah, because everything in northern Norway is built on fish as as the main economy here from thousands of years. Yeah, and still is. So yeah, he's my northern Norwegian friend. Yeah, that's hmm. what I mean when I say that Norway is such a character in in your comic. Yeah, when I'm, I I get help with the coloring now. And uh, I, I remember telling the, the guys who color it that even though there's sort of uh, winter depressions and can be quite gloomy, the comics, the nature must always be spectacular because I like the contrast with the, the low life and the, in a very beautiful place. So hmm, it is a character. Thanks to Jens for coming on the show today, and thanks to you guys for listening. If you'd like to see Dunce, uh, Jens's comic, he has translated it in English and put it on Instagram. Just look for Dunce Comic on Instagram and check it out. And let Jens know what you think. Uh, give him some feedback. Let him know he's got fans in America. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, as well as outtakes and other special features, please consider becoming a patron. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and sign up there. If you like what you heard, let a friend know about us. And if you leave us a five star review somewhere, we might even read it on our next show. Surviving Creativity is a Toonhound Studios production. Our associate producers are Todd Shoemaker. Ryan King, K.R. Hinton, Jonathan Small, Ryan Fisher, John Sanford, Dale Richardson, Bob Glasscock, Chris Beverick, and I need to make this reward tier more expensive. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Surviving Creativity.